The year is 2003, and the directorial debut of filmmaker Tommy Wiseau is released in theaters. Some say it's one of the worst movies ever made, but does it truly deserve that reputation? I'm Travis Kirkland. And I'm Luana Satan. And this is Defend Your Trash Movie. another fine edition of defend your trash movie the podcast that examines bad movies and misrepresented films to see if they're actually good and luana Mm -hmm. so the movie we'll be discussing today takes us back to that oh those golden halicron or halicron i i uh, halcyon i see that's why you're here to uh correct my pronunciation of adjectives that's what truly uh that's what you're truly here for my friend on this podcast but you, know, you were you guessed it you guessed it on the dream jerks podcast on the spirit stallion of the simmering episode and mm-hmm. my god you could tell i wasn't there because you were constantly mispronouncing simmering oh yes i i'm surprised you know there are a lot of uh this is gonna sound silly but there are legitimately a lot of people who are into horses mm-hmm. like that I am surprised that no one came uh, came online uh, on social media to attack me to cancel me for my mispronunciation of Cimarron. And maybe uh, maybe because you you know you did you kept saying Cimarion and that kind of sounded like Omarion and maybe they were all big B two K fans. Oh, that's right. Maybe they're all maybe they were thinking, wait a minute, or maybe they're actually talking about my favorite. <laughs> Band member from B2K. <laughs> this hot take goes bump, bump, bump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what also went bump, bump, bump the year 2003. Oh, it wasn't the two, oh year 2003. Oh, my year. What a banging ass 2003. And actually, you know what? Next year will be the 20th anniversary of 2003. Okay. Think about oh, no. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, not, e- not even, uh, not even uh, quite legal in certain countries depending on where you are but as far as the year 2003 is concerned let's talk about movies we're talking about movies and Mm -hmm. here's the thing the movie in question we're going to talk about tonight really did not crack the top 10 of any (laughs) box office of any given week of any given month even but i think before we go low we have to go high so luana oh what's that i think it's I think it's time to play another fun game. Uh, I a game that I will say is a fun homage to the box office game that is played on the podcast Blank Check, but we will be utilizing for our purposes. So we'll have Luana guess what are the top five highest-grossing films of two thousand three are. Okay, how many guesses do I get? There's five. Uh, well, yeah, we'll get hit. Well, hell, we'll go from one to five, starting at the top, and I'll give you a vague description. And then as you are starting to contemplate an answer, I'll give you more clues to help you guide along. But the okay. sooner you guess, uh, the you know the higher your reputation 
might be uh, for our <laughs> listeners. So keep that in mind. Okay. Well, the, yeah, the, you have you have no penalty except for cool points, basically. I assume that whoever listens to Defend Your Trash holds me in the highest esteem. So mm-hmm. there's nothing to lose, really. Yep, only nothing to lose but your reputation. So let's see how well it's gonna fare. So let's look at the year 2003 and let's go to the top of the charts, the number one highest. I feel, I feel like movie. I can guess the first one without a hint. That's probably High Gambler, Lord Luana, Lord of the Rings, Return colon, and you are correct. I mean, yes. that. I mean, it really was the it was. I mean, that's the year. That's the that's the sweep, right? The return of the king, basically. Yeah, that's where uh, it swept the Oscars too. Swept the Oscars, swept the swept the box office, and uh, man, if only Peter Jackson knew how good he still had it. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I'm sure he's still. I'm sure he, he's still living a nice life, but uh, you know, maybe filmography wise, eh, a little shaky after that. <laughs> Well, he made but that it, nice Beatles documentary last year that everyone put yeah. on while they were doing chores. <laughs> mm, here's a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know how long the extended edition of the Lord of the Rings trilogy is off the top of your head? Like full on, like the all extended editions? like All the extended wrote? editions put together. Do you know how long that would be, maybe? My question is like, is that longer or is Get Back longer? <laughs> uh, I think it's going to be like nine and a half, ten hours, right? Okay, all right. So extend, okay, extended edition, pro- barely probably, because <laughs> like each segment of Get Back, all three parts are scraping three hours, I think. So yeah, yeah. They, it, it, they are basically Lord of the Rings length. <laughs> it's just yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings, yeah. the sized hanging out with the Beatles. It's weird. Do you think? I mean, obviously, because obviously Peter Jackson was a a fan of the right. Beatles. Um, uh-huh. But do you think he was also inspired by from those aforementioned extended editions? How like there was such extensive behind the scenes footage of all the movies and the filmmaking process. I was like, huh. I wonder if he then got a niche to be like, huh. I wonder if I could do that, mm-hmm. but for you know something as monumental as. Yeah. As the Beatles, you know, last studio album, I wonder. Mm, yeah, but it is basically like doing because this is this is like an extended edition of the um, of the uh, movie Let It Be that uh, mm-hmm. was uh, released in what seventy or I think it was seventy when uh, yeah 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 and uh, so so this is essentially doing a super extended cut of someone else's movie which almost feels like the logical <laughs> end point of uh of pj's career like <laughs> yeah i'll just i'll just do uh i'll just do extended cats exclusively now it's like i always, I always watch the beatles and i watch them perform but i always thought extend extend <laughs> i always yelled at them you need to extend um, okay, moving on. So you guessed number one. Can you guess number two, which is an animated film? Darn, animated film. Coincidentally, uh... this was the highest grossing animated film of all time until it was beat by Shrek 2 in the following, <laughs> e- in the following year of 2004. So it didn't uh... hold on to that title for very long. Um, I'm pretty sure The Incredibles is 2004. Um, mm-hmm. uh, 
but uh, Incredibles, uh, you might be on the right track there. Yeah. Oh, uh, what was before the Incredibles? Uh, uh, no, not Red. Red 2 was after. Uh, Finding Nemo? You are correct. It is Finding Nemo at number two. Number two. Yeah, oh. this was, yeah, weirdly enough, even after two Toy Stories and a Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, highest grossing animated <laughs> movie ever. That's pretty cool while. that it made more than yeah. Usually the sequel makes more, like Toy Story two, but like Finding Nemo mm-hmm. was just a, uh, you know, the very yeah. fairly simple pitch. You like fish finds or fish looks for sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, cool, cool. That's, yeah. I did not expect that one to do that well. But can you expect number three on the highest grossing films of two thousand three chart? Number three. Which is a sequel. Hmm. Um, was, there, was there a Harry Potter that year, maybe? Uh, uh, is, was there a Harry? No, there wasn't a Harry Potter this year, no. Uh, so uh, no, no Harry this Potter, is a, no a very, a very no high, uh, uh, A very highly anticipated sequel to a landmark film. Ooh, uh, Matrix. Matrix Reloaded. Correct! The Matrix Reloaded at number three. All right, moving on to number four. <laughs> the opposite of Harry Potter movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, uh, what was a nicer return to the franchise? The Matrix Resurrections or the Fantastic Beast movie? I think it was Resurrections. Oh, it's probably Resurrections, yeah. yeah. I haven't even bothered with uh, the Dumbledore... Dumbledore secrets of dumbledore more like dumbledum <laughs> i don't th- i don't think you're the only one that didn't bother <laughs> a lot of people yeah a lot of people didn't <laughs> yeah. show up <laughs> um okay moving on to number four live action movie right. it is the first film of a very successful movie franchise 2003 start of a franchise 2003 a bit of a surprise one must say, despite it leading to one of the biggest, uh, most successfully financial franchises of the twenty of the two thousands. It was not a superhero. Wait, uh, no, no. I think Spider Man was two thousand. Yeah, two thousand two. I think so. It must have been. That's correct. Yes. Um, it. Um, it. The star of this movie was a very well respected, well known actor, and then this movie kind of catapulted him to higher echelons of Hollywood huh. stardom. That kind of sounds like Robert Downey Jr., but that's like five years yeah. sooner. Um, and I don't think Robert Downey Jr. was yeah. was well-respected when he did hire him. Uh, 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 oh, uh, Pirates! The, Pirates of the Caribbean, The Curse of the Black Pearl. Correct! It is Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. All right, let's finish it out, Luana. At number five... Well, it is another live-action movie, mm-hmm. but unlike uh, some of our movies we discussed, this is not based on an intellectual property. It is not mm-hmm. an adaptation mm-hmm. or a sequel. Okay, well, that's pretty rare. Yeah. But it did spawn a, an infamously bad sequel, mm-hmm. or at least a sequel that tanked. Right. The live-action movie... Infamously bad sequel, live action movie. Uh, Two thousand three. No it is a comedy. Is it 
Anchorman? No, it's not Anchorman, although I can see where you're coming from. But uh, no, it's not Anchorman. But you are also kind of correct. It is a movie where definitely the star of the movie is the big pull. And it's a mm-hmm. big comedy star. Big comedy star, 2003, not Will Ferrell. Um, ben Stiller, maybe Dodgeball? Was there a Dodgeball too? No, uh, no Dodgeball 2, and Dodgeball is in 2004. Oh, um, this uh, comedy star got a start in the 90s, was in fact one of the biggest comedy stars of the 90s. Continuing that. Um, who stars in? Um, oh, Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty. Yeah, that was, that's even a movie about an anchor man. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, oh, yeah, it is about an anchor man. And uh, famously, that does lead to the sequel with Steve Carell, Evan Almighty. Hey, wait, is Steve Carell also a weatherman in that? Is... He no, he's the anchor. He's the main. No, he's the no. Uh, oh, Steve wait, Carell is the main the... anchor, and Jim Carrey is the weatherman. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, and then of course, and yeah, and then of course in the sequel, Evan Almighty, Evan uh become Steve Carell essentially becomes Moses. Or uh, no, 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 not Moses. Noah. In Noah. Both an yeah. arc. Um, and is a bad movie, but also a very strange movie. I'll say. <laughs> Yeah, I saw that once. Um, I remember not really laughing all that much at it. So. No, no. I think it was also infamous because you know it's a it was a big budget comedy because it is essentially like modern day comedic Noah's Ark. So it has to be like an expensive movie that uh, ugh, you hope that uh, people who showed up to Bruce Almighty showed up to Evan, and they did not. All right, good job on the top five there. Very good job. Uh, Took a while, but uh... <laughs> you got there. Here, let's go ahead. Let's speed through. I'll go ahead and give you the rest of the charts of the top ten. Uh, at number six is the Last Samurai. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's nice. Wick. It's Tom Cruise, and he's like, "Hey, Ken Watanabe, I can samurai better than you." <laughs> Look at me. Uh, at number seven, Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. That could be a good yeah, one for this podcast. Yeah, that could, yeah. We thought that that was going to be the the definitive new chapter of the Terminator franchise until it was not. <laughs> until many more definitive new chapters. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, at number eight is The Matrix Revolutions. No oh, yeah, those came there. out in the same year. Yeah, one of those, uh, one of those same year uh, releases, back-to-back shooting things. Huh. Uh, number nine is X2, X-Men United. Oh, wow. Jesus. That... A movie, yeah. I recently rewatched that, mm-hmm. and you know what? Despite mm-hmm. the director being a horrible monster, it's actually kind of still good, I think. All right. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> that horrible monster made a couple decent movies. Yep. And then uh, we're well, um, happy that uh, we're rid of him. And oh, speaking of horrible monsters, at number 10 of the box office highest grossing films of 2003 is Bad Boys 2. <laughs> yeah. Really, the movie that is king in hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bad Boys. Maybe another movie that we need to do on this podcast. Happily uh, so. Truly, one of my favoriteest movies of all time. <laughs> 
I mean, uh, it has one of my favorite line readings of all time when Gabriel Union is like, yeah, sure, I'll drop my gun right <laughs> on that mine! <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that Gabriel Union's character is in a spinoff TV show with Jessica Alba where they're like buddy cops, but no one cares about it because it's on the Crackle streaming service that no one uses. What, what is the Crackle streaming service? It's it's a free streaming service that is put up by Sony. Uh-huh. So you can see like occasional like Sony, uh, like Sony movies and like, uh, like uh, half run or like half the run of like certain TV shows like Seinfeld and you get commercials. Uh, but I'll say this as someone who's watched some Crackle stuff, the app, both on your phone and uh-huh. on a, a streaming device, is very bad. Okay. It's, it's not a good app. Mm-hmm. So, and also, no one cares about it. So, <laughs> that's why no one cares about this bad boy spinoff TV show. Oh my god. That's, that's so sad. And Gabrielle Union is pretty cool. She is cool. I like Gabrielle Union. She's in that Cheaper by the Dozen remake uh, recently on Disney+. Plus. Oh, is she the mom in that? She's the mom in that with Zach Braff, so it's a mixed family uh, situation <laughs> there. I know, ooh, Zach Braff. Zach Braff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's, she's, got a, she's got that little trans daughter. Oh, does she? That, oh, yes, she does. Yes, she does, because I know she spoke up recently with all the, uh, with all the very uh, troublesome Disney uh, LGBTQ stuff going on. And yeah, that's a, uh, that's too stressful. Let's move on. I, I don't like talking about all that. <laughs> Back to 2003 where nothing that, was problematic. No, there was nothing wrong. Bad boys too. <laughs> Let's not 2003. I have to say though, looking at that chart as a whole, like, man, what a movie year. Yeah. 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 Oh my goodness. Yeah. You, you never know how good you had it until you're looking back on it, you know? <laughs> Uh, but you know what? Among those things we didn't know we had so good in the two, year 2003 until we had to look back on it is a little film that maybe shouldn't have, but definitely did. And that movie is only known as The Room. A Perfect World. These are for you. Thanks, honey. They're beautiful. A perfect life. I would do anything for my girl. I love you, Lisa. I love you, Johnny. Surprise! He provides for you. Darling, you can't support yourself. I don't love him anymore. He didn't get his promotion. And he got drunk last night. And he hit me. It's not true. I did not hit her. Well, maybe you should have a girl, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I have one already. I don't know yet. We can't do this anymore. Johnny's my best friend. This will be our secret. Don't worry. You can trust me. We're expecting! (laughs) I'm your future husband. You sure about that? Please talk to me, please! You're having an affair with Lisa, aren't you? I need more from life than what Johnny can give me. She's a sociopath. She can't love anyone. There is no baby. I told him that to make it interesting. You're such a manipulative witch. You're hurting yourself. You're hurting our friendship. I treat you like a princess, and you stab me in the back. You are tearing me apart, Lisa! Hey, Danny. Where's my money, Danny? Put the gun down. Put it up! 
just shut up. The Room, a film with the passion of Tennessee Williams, directed by Tommy Wiseau. The best movie of the year. Experience this quirky new black comedy. It's a riot. The Room, directed by Tommy Wiseau, was released in theaters on June 27th, 2003. It stars... Tommy Wiseau, Greg Sestero, Juliet Daniel, Philip Haldeman, Carolyn Minot, and many others. Despite its infamous reputation, it has gathered a large cult following for over a decade. Now, I have a feeling that if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are already familiar with The Room, uh, even though we played the trailer audio and i just did that intro i I have a i have a strong sneaking suspicion that y'all know what the room is y'all are probably familiar with its quotes its memes the peculiarities of tommy wiseau so i think many years almost nearly 20 years out from its original release in 2003 i think it might be good to sort of revisit it and most interestingly enough you, Luana, who had who you know was already familiar with its most infamous quotes and infamous memes, you had never seen the room in full before, have you? No, I had not. I had no idea what it was about. I just know that Tommy Wiseau was a weird guy who had made a movie and kind of became a cult favorite because it was really weird and like there were there was weird pronunciation and diction in it uh, i knew some memes i knew some lines from it but what the room is actually about was an entire mystery and after you have watched the movie in full for this podcast have you come to a more clearer answer on that and what the room is about <laughs> yeah uh the room feels like a um sort of like a, a theater troupe got together and maybe, you know, why so being kind of the ringleader in that, hey, guys, let's make a movie. And it's just a bunch of the amateur actors deciding that they, uh, you know, want the want a showcase for their talents. And because why so was the ringleader, this, this is just purely what I'm uh, conjecturing off of what the movie is like, because he was kind of the ringleader. Uh, he kind of... Uh, the whole project he also wrote the movie and directed it he gets the juiciest and most dramatic dealios uh so it, it felt really real it felt something very inept and very real um and a very a very simple person uh like uh people people say oh tell me why so is so weird or whatever like oh what an alien i'm like i don't think he's an alien i think he's just very uh, he's a, he's a very simple person Burying the lead a bit on this because we're probably going to unpack the man known as Tommy Wiseau, but he remains to this day a bit of an enigma, um, despite The Room being coming such a popular bad movie. Uh, it A lot of his background is still unknown. Like He is not willing to divulge uh, his place of origin, or I, I, I don't even think we quite know how old he is. Um... He's, uh, anytime I think you ask him, he just sort of gives you a uh, what I guess would be kindly uh, labeled as a wiseo type response. He's, he's just not willing to talk about his past. But uh, I, I haven't seen this documentary, but there is a documentary called Room Full of Spoons, which is uh, where a bunch of fans 
of the movie decided to do their documentary and see what the making of process was like. And I guess in it, they don't find any definitive answers on Wiseau's country of origin, but they do make an educated guess that he might be from this particular town in Poland because they discovered that in this particular Polish town uh, is the only place where the townsfolk, when they make the sound of a chicken, they go cheep, 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 like the characters do in the movie, which, you know, that is one of the more notable oddities about this movie is how all the characters, when they do a chicken noise, it's always cheep, 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 cheep. <laughs> and, uh, they, I, I and, was they found that, and they find that that is a, uh, that is a colloquialism of this Polish town. So there was like, hmm, mm. this might be the best guess on where Tommy Wiseau may be from. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that. Uh, considering uh, his his predilections, I I don't. Uh, I I wouldn't. Uh, it, it, it seems it seems plausible. I wonder if the if the Arrested Development running gag of all the blues not being able to do a chicken noise if that's a room reference. Oh, that's a good question because that's that's another interesting thing about the popularity of the room. So this movie was officially released in. A few theaters in Los Angeles in the year 2003 but obviously because the movie ended up how it was it was not a very warmly received movie upon initial release but uh, as part of the lore of the room Tommy Wiseau not only continued to pay for the theater for theaters to continue running the movie but one of the do you know about the billboard the bill no what so, uh, in the years, uh, in for about five years since the release of The Room, Tommy Wiseau paid for a billboard in L.A. to advertise The Room. And it's a very weird, evocative billboard because it's his, uh, it's his, it's that infamous, uh, headshot of his, of, that's black and white, and Tommy Wiseau just kind of doing the Kubrick stare. And it just says, like, you know, and it has the tagline, you know, the room, you know, what happens and whatnot. And then it gives, like, the website of www.com.tetheroom.com or whatever the website was. And, again, it's this thing of, like, you look up at it and it's this uh, not very well-designed piece of advertising with this very strange-looking face looking at you with no questions (laughs) answered uh and the billboard just leaves you intrigued with even more questions and the craziest thing is that this billboard as i said sat uh sat up top amongst the sight lines of la for over five years at a cost of five thousand a week that tommy paid for oh wow <laughs> uh well, which is enough he's uh-huh. well he's well he's he's well off Ooh, we'll get into that oh uh oh let's go ahead uh, for those who don't know, we'll, we'll briefly talk about the making of this movie, which of course has been documented. Uh, Greg Sestero, the the infamous Mark of this movie, as well as one of its producers, uh, he documented the making of this movie in his own book, The Disaster Artist. And of course, The Disaster Artist was then adapted into a feature film written and directed by james franco starring james franco as tommy wiseau uh 
But in case you're not familiar with any of that, long story short, uh, Greg and Tommy met in acting class, and Greg seemed to take a shining to Tommy because he seemed just so bizarre and kind of out of sync in a very interesting way with uh, other students in his acting classes. And so eventually, Tommy had the idea for this, uh, well, what originally was going to be a book, I believe, he wanted to do. The room was originally a book idea, and then he decided that no, it should actually be a play. So he tried to adapt it for the stage, and then uh, he decided, no, no, the stage will not do. So he decided to make a movie. And he funded this movie, uh, its entire budget of $6 million, which is another mysterious part of the Tommy Wiseau lore that, uh, you know, a lot of these movies, uh, a lot of these infamously bad movies, at least, are often chided because they're under-budgeted or they ran out of money or whatnot. They never ran out of money on this, uh, on this movie because Tommy Wiseau would continually just uh, pull, pull money from his checking account. And he just seemed to have just this endless supply of money that he never explained and nobody seemed to have an explanation for. So yeah, I mean, who, uh, who knows if like we would have seen the, this, the, the light of day of this movie if Tommy Wiseau did not have his mysterious deep pockets. I think, I think the only definitive answer he ever gave was like he had some like real estate dealings that were very lucrative. But even then again, it's like, you know, that doesn't answer anything, nor do you trust that answer he's giving you, you know? That's almost a that's almost a Johnny answer. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Here's another funny thing that occurs to me when thinking about Tommy Wiseau and his mysteriousness. Apparently one of the influences for the room was when Tommy saw the talented Mr. Ripley. <laughs> so and I was he's like, a guy who reinvents himself and has a shady back. <laughs> exactly. It's like, huh, in a way. I guess Tommy Wiseau is like a Mr. Talented Mr. Ruby yeah. all his own, uh, an enigma that no one can quite figure out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he put on, so he, funding himself, decided to make this movie with Greg as kind of a, well, and then, you know, again, we could probably fill up this whole podcast running time with just talking about the making of this movie, but suffice to say, all the effort that you see in the movie is representative of the effort behind the scenes. Um, despite the fact that he had endless, uh, he had endless money, uh, there was no air conditioning for any of these sets. Tommy didn't provide any water for the, for the cast, so it was almost consistently hot every time they shot in an indoor location. Uh, oh, and also. Maybe the most bizarre detail of all in the making of process. He shot this movie with two cameras running simultaneously. He bought a film camera that did 35mm film. And then he bought a digital camera for digital films. And then he mounted both cameras onto a special device... So both cameras could be shooting and running at the same time. <laughs> Even though in the final product, none of the digital video is in there. It's only the 35 millimeter <laughs> footage. And 
not only did was this mount to have two cameras running at the same time expensive, they had two cam separate camera crews who had to supervise each camera. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a lot of money down the drain. I know, and uh again i if you uh if you read either greg's book or if you can stomach james franco these days go see uh the film adaptation it's it, it is a it is quite a story the making of of the room um of course and then uh going back to it we were talking about arrested development and uh i think what was interesting was that of course when 2003 uh, in 2003 when the movie first premiered of course no one really thought much of it but as the movie just kept playing and with this bizarre billboard up it just sort of started to develop this reputation as like a huh did you see that that billboard did you see this movie it's like n like no other film I've seen and like the and like the guy who made it like shows up to the screenings and he doesn't seem aware of how bad it is and whatnot and not only did it develop this cult following among like you know regular moviegoers of the la scene but it developed a cult following with a lot of comedy people so people like judd apatow and jonah hill and Kristen bell i know were like early proponents of this movie of like right, oh my right. goodness this is like something you gotta see you know mm -hmm. this is so unlike anything and so i think and so word started getting out about this bizarre movie and it started to take like an almost rocky horror picture show like cult following where people would show up to these screenings mm -hmm. to like say the say to like repeat the lines and get ready for the bizarre scenes and moments of the movie <laughs> and tommy would always be there would almost always be there and again seemingly not be aware of uh of kind of the reputation it have like it seemed like he's happy <laughs> that the movie <laughs> is getting some recognition but uh but maybe not at the time quite realizing how people were taking it so I have to say this for you because I think this movie, The Room, has been overanalyzed, over-explained, over, you know, over-made fun of, one might say, by the internet, by those who have decided to participate in The Room. So it's interesting considering how already internet famous this movie is, but this is something that you just witnessed for the first time. So Luana, I want to hear... Uh, well, you already gave some initial impressions, but about how, you know, it was kind of this, it seemed like a, you know, ragtag group of people doing a movie, but what were other, maybe some weird, how about this, what were some things that surprised you about the movie that maybe you had not anticipated before from its internet fame? I did not, <laughs> I did not, uh expected to be so sexual <laughs> <laughs> it is so sexual out of the gates i think there's like three or four sex scenes um in and and like a very funny thing about like the um sort of uh inept filmmaking there is that they are all scored with like sexy r&b and um there's no like there there's no modulation to what you're seeing like okay the first sex scene is um 
Lisa and Johnny. It's like, okay, they're like an idyllic couple. It's all very nice and it's romantic. Okay, so there's some sexy R&B. Sure, sure, okay, whatever. And then the, the, I believe the second sex scene is Lisa seducing Greg. Uh, no, not Greg. Yeah. Uh, Mark? Mark, yep, on the stairwell, of course. Yeah. And it's also sexy R&B. And like, <laughs> wait a minute. I would have assumed that this is, like, a dangerous seduction, a game of obsession, so, like, wouldn't we need, like, sort of exciting or, or in, you know, um, move, uh, music that would elevate the stakes to tell the viewer, like, oh, no, what's, what's going on here? This is not okay. But no, it's, it's just sexy R&D. Like, okay. And well, you see, I think it's a stylistic choice because as you... It, you say it is not distinctive enough, but I think it's all about how Lisa is such a conniving person that <laughs> sex with any male is just the same to her, you know? Oh, yeah, I see it now. <laughs> God, when she <laughs> had to laugh so hard when she just says, to, when her mom comes to visit, she's like, I'm going to leave Johnny. I'm bored with him. <laughs> And the mom is mom is like a hype woman for 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 Johnny, like she's like a WWE uh-huh. like crew member. <laughs> hey now, Johnny provides for you, and he's a great guy, and I basically see him as my son-in-law. <laughs> and, it, yeah, it, it, yeah, it's so funny how again uh this may seem redundant to say how d- tone deaf it is. <laughs> how like in the first few scenes with like with johnny and lisa they do seem to have a nice relationship (laughs) they seem to like each other and love each other a lot and then suddenly lisa on a on a dime turn is just like oh i hate him he's so boring and (laughs) stupid i hate i hate this and he she has like absolutely no motivation here's no there's (laughs) she just exactly she decides on a dime that fucking hates this guy because i don't know he's boring that's like the worst you can say about him and uh like you know everyone is like her mom's like no no you should marry him he's a great guy and mark is like no what are you doing he's my best friend but you know her she's so diabolical that she keeps keeps uh keeps uh, heading on with it <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I'm definitely not the first one to bring this up as far as trying to read into what the room is about, but this must be this must be a story inspired by a real relationship that Tommy must have had in his personal life, where it ended badly and he feels like he was the victim in it. You know, mm-hmm. because not only is like like you said, like not only is Lisa portrayed in such a bad light but everyone in the cast except for lisa is like johnny's so great he's the best oh my goodness he's so pure he's so good how could you do this to johnny johnny's johnny 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 you know he's like so like this movie so paints tommy in this sort of angelic martyr complex (laughs) that it that you know it's like this has to be like making this movie must must be part of like processing something you know what Mm -hmm. i mean yeah because like if it if 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 it is not based on an actual breakup then tommy has some severely 
like deep-seated issues with women. <laughs> no, you think? <laughs> like I remember, like the when he when he pops up in the movie uh, for the first time with his like <laughs> with his like long coat and long hair. And so, I was like, oh my god, this dude looks like Charles Lee Ray. <laughs> <laughs> and, <laughs> and I started thinking about like you know this weird uh, you know amateur actors that are definitely playing a script that you know makes him the awesomest guy ever it almost feels like they're all they're all hostages taken by charles lee ray and this (laughs) (laughs) this is what he makes them do before he offs them all (laughs) i mean tommy wiseau does kind of look like when chucky gets a little deformed or melted (laughs) in the third act of a child's play movie so just give him some red hair and some overalls and he's a good guy (laughs) like no i'm a good guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm a good guy. You're just, just, just uh, I, Andy, 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 <laughs> please love me. <laughs> I did not stab her. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> what is a more toxic relationship? Uh, the one between Johnny and Lisa or the one between Andy and Chucky? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's one to ask. It's, uh, you were mentioning the sex scenes, so... We we already mentioned the first two. We can't forget the the other sex scene between Johnny and Lisa, which just looks like footage from the first sex scene that they just <laughs> reinsert. And then of course there's that horny couple it, who who love chocolate, and they, <laughs> and they and, and so of course she has to go down on the, on that one guy while he enjoys that chocolate. <laughs> I thought that that guy almost felt like he was an actor that may have had some bit parts, and like he, because he, he felt like a real comedy actor, like a broad one perhaps. But yeah. I was like, oh, this this guy almost feels like he's in, uh, you know, he's been in some schlock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he does have the great line like, oh, I found and she found me undies, <laughs> <laughs> and and he, ooh, he he's got his shirt on backwards. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course just, uh, I, I again there's so much so many things that are inexplicable but that when they have that alleyway talk where they're talking about the incident and 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 mark pushes him a little bit and then it's a hard jump to him just crashing into some garbage cans <laughs> yeah people are very you know not only emotionally so but physically wise people are very fragile in this movie like he he falls over um there's that there's that one guy who there's that one guy with the glasses who falls down when they're playing football (laughs) it's like i think my favorite because you're right they're they're physically fragile because physical fragility means that they all um they have they have a reason (laughs) to become emotionally fragile and that means they can go hard on the acting <laughs> i i think i think my favorite the funniest scene is the rooftop confrontation with denny uh yeah <laughs> after with the drug dealer yeah like after <laughs> like they saved him and like um lisa and her mom confront him what, what were you doing what's going on <laughs> <laughs> they're all being super, super emotional. They're all, yeah, 
They're, it's like they're all being emotionally at a ten, but not really listening to each <laughs> yeah. other. So they're just, sh- so they're just shouting things at one another. It's like, just you're, you're not my fucking mother. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, Denny. Oh, poor Denny. Is is Denny the heart of the movie? Really? <laughs> Denny felt like. <laughs> Have you ever seen Burial Ground? <laughs> No. (laughs) (laughs) Burial Ground is a 70s Italian zombie movie (laughs) where where there's like a a bunch of people at a mansion and a zombie outbreak happens and uh, there's a little boy (laughs) who is played by an adult little person. (laughs) (laughs) And it's because he gets zombified and he like bites his mom's boob. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you know because it's like ooh, he's a little baby and like you know the baby wants the bottle and and you know because, so as not to get into any legal trouble they had you know the actors bitten by a little person who was playing a child and denny feels like like that little person playing a child <laughs> denny also feels like to me like the girl from orphan it's like oh you are dressed as a little kid but i am not quite sure about your age here <laughs> yeah i believe he's supposed to be a freshman in college uh, the way they talk about i it. think they mentioned that he's got his 18 18 year birthday coming up or something like one once okay. i'm 18 i can live by myself or, or something like that uh it's yeah it's all the the whole look of denny is wrong because like the clothes the clothes are like young looking but the guy but the actor has like a kind of older face but then he has just this weird young twerpy haircut yeah. <laughs> and his voice is his whole thing is a is a is a big contradiction you know what i mean yeah he's got that haircut like he should be one of the three ninjas yeah <laughs> oh my goodness there uh they could have had four ninjas you had tum tum rocky colt rocky and denny, denny. oh my god <laughs> i mean hey denny hey, denny knows how to play dirty he was getting involved in some drug dealing so he yeah. knows to play how to play with the big boys you know it was, it was what kind of drugs did you take I love, I love Lisa. Like going from zero to a hundred. <laughs> what is that? Fuck you! <laughs> and, and like the mom is just standing there with her, and she's like, generally disapproving, but like she, she's not emotionally involved whatsoever. Like, come on now, what? How did you meet a guy the, like the, that? <laughs> the the mom. I unintentionally feels like a weird Greek chorus for the <laughs> audience of this movie because I think she's supposed to be like a Greek chorus and right, she's right. always like, you know, what's going on? Why are you doing this and that? But in a way, she then becomes like the voice of the people watching the movie. <laughs> like, why is this happening? Why is everybody <laughs> showing up to this room and doing these silly, stupid things, yeah. you know? Uh, but she has to feel bad for her because she does have breast cancer. <laughs> oh, God. That was her best line. I I howled so much. He's like, "No, no, I definitely have breast cancer." See, I'm delighted by this because again, these are 
lines and memes that have been so quoted and so memefied, but you, as a new viewer to this whole <laughs> enterprise, can still find fresh value to them. Yeah, I mean, I was like, I'm aware that, you know, they've been so memefied, I'm very late to this party, but a lot of this stuff is very funny. Like, that, that whole, yeah, I definitely have breast cancer thing <laughs> really feels like uh tommy not being able to step outside of himself for a single second like it's it's not like i mean it's not like johnny's a great or well-developed character or something but um we we are obviously meant to care a lot about johnny um and all other characters are either you know they're like Lisa uh, cheating on Johnny or wanting to leave him on for no particular reason uh, or, or, or the mom being like, oh yeah, I definitely have breast cancer. Like, like uh, that feels like the Tommy saying like, oh, let's, let's give the mom something, but, you know, and, and not, not <laughs> considering what the implications of that particular something would be like, oh, it's breast cancer. That's huge. That would take up most of the movie in most movies, you know? Um, <laughs> Or at the very least, have the mom's breast cancer impact Lisa for the rest of the movie, but it's just tossed off. She has breast cancer. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's that whole like yeah, that whole center view where it's just Johnny, i.e., Tommy, mm-hmm. is basically just the center of the universe. Yeah, absolutely, basically. absolutely. Um, no, yeah, and uh, that is the, that was great. Like it, it felt like a very real, a very personal movie uh as silly as it was i'm like oh yeah god i am i am definitely reading someone's fanfic uh of, of themselves <laughs> yeah definitely i uh, so obviously this movie has so many inexplicable things to it but for you upon this first viewing what do you what was the most inexplicable thing for you the thing that made you of all the things go make you have the biggest sort of like what what wtf moments I mean, it's a lot to choose from. I know. I mean, there's there's definitely the the tossed off um, breast cancer line. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also, I think. Oh, uh, I think a really good what WTF moment was when I don't was it Johnny or Mark who got they kind of get get mad at Peter the psychiatrist. They're like, I think it's Mark, like on the roof. Oh yeah, they're on the rooftop and he's about to like toss them off the roof. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> what? Like that briefly flirts with murder. <laughs> and like, I would have, cause like, that's way past our mark, I think. And cause like, oh okay, are they gonna like escalate this into a thriller? You know, like a domestic thriller, but they don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> and also Peter isn't all that like if 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 my, one of my pals briefly threatened to push me off a roof i'd be like what the <laughs> fuck dude <laughs> that's okay uh yeah it should be mentioned as has been mentioned with the folklore of this of the making of so the actor who played peter uh walked off he <laughs> he was eventually sick of having to deal with this movie how over how over budget or not over budget but just like how they kept having to extend their shooting schedule and so he eventually walked off so that's why 
it's funny because the last you see of him is when he falls down during the football <laughs> game and he goes like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> and literally he's done. He's and so I believe I believe Peter is supposed to be that male character in the party scene who weirdly gets super angry with Lisa. Like, oh, it's like a ticking time bomb. It's like an atomic bomb about to go off here. If you, tr- if you unleash that revelation on Johnny. I think that was supposed to be Peter. <laughs> And I, I think, I think the fact that it actually ends with Johnny putting a gun in his mouth, <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a funny scene because, like, look, I know that these days when self harm and suicide are depicted in fiction, there's usually a content warning. You do not need a content warning for this because it's 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 like because I I hope I'm describing this. It's just a shot. It's a medium shot. He's just sitting in profile. He pulls out a gun out of this place. There has been no gun established, by the way, in this movie. <laughs> he just has a, a little box that keeps a gun. So he's just sitting down. And then <laughs> it's literally like the most like kids pretending to play dead <laughs> type of thing of like, oh, I'm going to put the prop gun in my mouth and then and then just you know pretend to go backwards like oh <laughs> i love that within seconds there's like you hear sirens of like several emergency yeah. services <laughs> like there's cops and firemen seemingly <laughs> well of course everyone cares about johnny everyone's on johnny alert <laughs> Johnny, Johnny. The city of San Francisco yeah. is on high alert because a gunshot yeah. at the Johnny residence. I bet if there was a sequel, there is, there's probably like a statue memorial of Johnny erected somewhere in San Francisco, <laughs> I bet. Hey, you know, uh, Philly has uh, Rocky and Detroit has Robocops, I think. I feel like San Francisco should have Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. He'll be. Uh, what do you think Johnny should be doing uh, in his statue pose? <laughs> he should toss um, a pigskin around. <laughs> yeah, he should have a football in his hand. You know. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 he, <laughs> this seems, uh, it's so. Uh, yeah, he, he he thinks that's what football is. When people are <laughs> yeah. like, "Hey, let's play some football. Let's go," meaning go go into some alley and just toss it around. You know. Yeah, I love how this was. Um, definitely a, a, a European person's vision of like oh, American South American football, right? What do you do in that? Uh, oh, just toss it around, I guess. Just toss it around, you know. Yeah, it's the best thing, especially if you're, you know, when you're wearing tuxedos, doing some yeah. wedding rehearsals. You gotta play some football, you know, get the stress out. I love how how they're like, oh wow, dude, you look amazing, and. They, I think I think every one of them has like an oversized tuxedo. <laughs> I, I th- it's almost as if they're all doing like a David Byrne cosplay. <laughs> you may find yourself living in some type of weird room. <laughs> you may find yourself with framed pictures of spoons on your table. This is not my beautiful wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, that's what a. What a strange movie the room is, and uh, oh, did did you also enjoy the prolonged scene where they're where uh, Mark and Johnny are exercising? They go jogging, uh, and whatnot. It, it, I think it's the best training montage, honestly, since Rocky Three. I'm just going around. <laughs> 
yeah, I mean the camaraderie. And again, you know, it's 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 um, just like Rocky. He's a city icon. Yeah. <laughs> I, again, I am not. I I may. You know, who knows? Maybe, maybe the whole James Franco thing has maybe sort of uh, made the buzz not so fun. But I am not surprised, or I am surprised that there is not some type of room statue or plaque or something that some someone has tried to like do a grassroots campaign on you know because yeah i wonder oh i I wonder if there is like a because this did shoot in san francisco so i wonder if there is like a a uh like a a some type of like tour excursion where you can go to the location <laughs> of the room, room. the coffee <laughs> shop in the alley <laughs> yeah the coffee shop where you can get constantly just get cheesecake with every order <laughs> and ask if the doggy is still around oh you gotta oh they have ha- they def i bet someone has found where the flower shop is with the <laughs> doggy and uh hopefully that doggy's okay i want to uh, I, w- I would i would easily want to pet the doggy from from the room uh i have this lasting thought about the room and here's why i think the movie is special now I will say, Tommy Wiseau, he's a fun character in our celebrity stratosphere. Uh, From what I've read about the making of this movie, it was probably not a fun time. And I'm sure Tommy Wiseau, or Tommy Wiseau, was not a fun person to be around. Yeah. But that said, I think what makes The Room special is, uh, you know, I think especially these days in our internet connected communities especially when it comes to film discussion uh movies uh bad movies in particular have their own sort of cult following or their or their uh, own culture to themselves people are always kind of looking for the new bad movie well what's gonna be the next cheesy movie that we're all gonna make fun of what's gonna be like the next cats or something like that or uh well, cats or uh i guess fantastic beast is another or morbius recently as well but I think what does make The Room really special is that it really, truly is a cult movie. Because I think these days, when people are on the lookout for bad movies, you're generally looking for movies that are either kind of self-aware of how cheesy they are, like the Sharknado movies. Like, they are, like those are movies that are aware of how outrageous and cheesy they are. Or it's just, you know, like the aforementioned things like Cats or Morbius, where it's like, it's just, you know, big studios, um, you know, putting out stuff that they think the audiences will like, and we all see the trailer and be like, what the heck are they trying to sell us? Um, whereas The Room truly is a cult movie in the truest sense. Like, I don't, I, I, I sometimes don't like to do this thing where it's like, well, this is what the true sense of this definition is because i think it gets into a lot of dangerous gatekeeping that i'm not a fan of and yet i think the room is a real true blue cult following bad movie masterpiece because it was this know nothing movie released to know nothing audiences and it gained this gigantic audience and more than even the audience i think what makes here's what i okay if i may put out a thesis about bad movies um of course a lot of things can make a movie bad a lot of definitions of what bad can be as far as movies can go can be a little nebulous but here's what 
I think makes the most interesting bad movies is that you are watching the movie and you cannot comprehend why the filmmaker is making the choices. So, like, take something like, uh, I keep mentioning cats, but, like, say, say, take cats. Like, a lot of people, uh, call it bad, but I think even if you call it bad, I think it's very obvious the reasons, uh, why, you know, the movie ended up how, how it was. Like, oh, it's, you know, Tom Hooper, who's this prestigious director, but maybe doesn't have the best you know doesn't have the best take on musicals and cats itself is an unusual musical like you can see the mechanisms behind the bad decisions especially if like they're big studio movies but the real fascinating ones the real purest bad movies are the ones where like you watch them and you truly cannot understand why decisions were made why choices were made and i think that's what makes the room special is that it is just such an odd enigma and why i think it's it's a i think it's one of the most treasured bad movies of the 21st century what do you think yeah i think it's a very you know uh, a very good um, comparison would be turtles 3 um because Turtles 3 is very much, you know, we, you see why this movie is bad. And it's there's nothing very interesting going on. It's it's literally just a bunch of suits playing to the cheapest seats possible. And, uh, you know, just cranking something out under that particular uh, banner. Those guys slap turtles on it. That'll hold the little SOBs. And... Tommy Wiseau does not want to hold the little SOBs. He wants to delight his audiences. He wants to take us on this emotional journey. He wants to have us all weep with um <laughs> with with empathy and, and, and tragedy as 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 uh, Johnny embarks upon his emotional journey, but he has no idea how to get us there. He has um he he cannot um he doesn't seem to have all that much empathy for others <laughs> that um aren't a very close approximation of Tommy Wiseau himself and that ineptness that true ineptitude uh, coupled with the um unbridled passion of of getting that story told is what uh, what makes the room so special? What makes it a true bewildering uh, experience for a person that is expecting a movie, that is expecting something in the language of um, of, of visual media that we've become become so accustomed to, that we've grown up with, and um, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, I think I think um, I think there's a like if you gave my parents a camera, they'd probably get something equally, I you know, <laughs> someone who does not care about movies one bit that they they, they they crank something out similar, you know. <laughs> I oh I mean, you know, it, and I think that that honestly weirdly weird to say, but I think that success is hard to replicate because Tommy has tried to do other stuff. Um, he did a pilot for a TV show called Another Friends. 
which I never saw, but really didn't gain much momentum. And then he, in 2019, I think, he released a trailer for a shark movie that he had directed that also uh, reunited him with Greg Sestero, um, but no status on that movie just yet, so... You know, but you know what? Maybe sometimes you just need one The Room to really define your career. And I think, you know, we could probably discuss this much-discussed movie, but I think it's time that we get to the final question of this podcast, the ultimate question of this episode. So, Luana, give us your final thoughts by answering the question, Is The Room a trash movie? Yes, I suppose it is in the sense that it is it does not um, achieve its goals uh, in bringing us an enticing uh, drama, but it is a really fun movie to watch because it is very funny. Uh, it is it is quite delightful. It is uh, it brings you to uh, new and un- unbridled <laughs> uh, or um, uninhibited. Um, weirdness every other scene and uh, it's a real journey so while it technically does not achieve its goals and therefore i suppose it's trash it's not trash in the sense that i wouldn't recommend it you know you're, you're gonna have a fun time probably watching it so is it trash yes but no <laughs> what do you think uh travis well, I think undoubtedly this is a trash movie. In fact, that's why it has a reputation, because it is such a trash movie. And yet it is, uh, I guess, you know what? I will dare say there is something admirable about it, because I think what makes The Room more notable than so many other trash movies is its commitment. And you can tell, as you said, that this was a story built from some type of, you know, emotions or feelings he had inside of him that he wanted to get across to people. And maybe he did in some weird way, or maybe he failed, or maybe he... Well, that's the thing. Maybe it doesn't matter that he failed or succeeded, because the fact that he just stayed the course and stayed the path and to see this thing through and that the movie did bomb when it came out in 2003 only to accumulate such a large audience i mean people know who tommy wiseau is now and i'm sure that was not the path that he ever thought would get him fame or that he even probably wanted and yet here we are that he's a notable i would say almost a household name in some parts of the world so you know what can you say sometimes a trash movie just needs to i i don't know what to say i guess sometimes with these trash movies it's just like you know what even if they're trash if you see it through and you have enough passion for it your trash can be transcendent i guess look the room is a much discussed movie but hopefully our discussion on it brought to you all some enlightening things but like all things we have to leave the room to go on to our next movie in our next episode so we should uh talk about that briefly and oh luana i actually forgot to tell you this 
But before the recording, we actually got a special delivery from the Walt Disney Company. A special delivery from the Walt Disney Company? Whatever you're talking about. Yeah! Yeah, yeah uh, I, here, let me, here, let me, hold, here, let me hold it here. Yeah, uh, apparently, from what the uh, accompanying letter says, uh, the Walt Disney Company is a real big fan of our podcast, so they reach deep into the treasured Disney vault so that we can talk about one of their animated classics. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah! Wait, what, what, what do they want us to talk about? Sleeping Beauty? Gee, I I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, hey, personally speaking, I mean, I love The Little Mermaid. I mean, you know, under the sea, under the sea. All the music's great and the cartoon characters are great. I mean, uh, what, what, what about you? What, what, what do you hope it is? Oh boy, there there are so many that uh, that deserve a reevaluation. I've always been partial to some uh, dark horses like like uh, Tarzan and, uh, and 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 Treasure Planet, uh, perhaps even. Um, I I wonder what it what it could be. Yeah, I know that. Look, the the possibilities are endless. I mean, this is one of their most you know again. If they reach into the vault, it must be one of their most precious titles. All right, let me open this up. Let's see here. What movie did they send us? Oh, all right. So it looks like the Walt Disney Company sent us to review The Black Cauldron. Wait, what? <laughs> nice story, Travis. Yep. No, no, seriously? <laughs> what? It's the, no, look here. See on the label, The, the Black Cauldron, based on those... Oh. fantasy novels released in was released in the 80s oh. yeah oh. look there's gurgi Ger- yeah. that, that oh. there's gurgi on the cover Dear. yeah yeah oh um, oh hey, hey hey wait a minute wait a minute this isn't even a blu-ray this is a betamax of the black cauldron Ah, oh, great now we'll have to spend the rest of the weeks until it's released looking for a player ah oh, god damn it fucking disney company fucking god this is the absolute worst thing the Disney Company has ever done, I swear. Yeah, I, I'm i glad they lost their tax-exempt status. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, maybe maybe that's why they sent us a Betamax of this movie. <laughs> uh, but look, folks, I guess while we figure out where to find a Betamax player, you can still follow us. Uh, on Twitter at Trash Movie Pod, and you can also email us at Trash Pod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling more nice and generous than the Disney Company, you can give us five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. In two weeks will be our episode on The Black Cauldron. But until then, the defense rests. See ya. See ya.